0: around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.
2: We love to give our children resources that will light them up about their Catholic faith, and today's guest has created something truly special. Veteran homeschooling dad Philip Kozlowski is here to invite you to use comic books to light up your children's faith. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Miladnik and today I'm talking with Philip Kozlowski about how to use comic books to light up your children's faith. Philip Kozlowski is a Catholic husband and homeschooling dad who spent a lot of years in Catholic ministry doing adult formation and marriage prep. He has written for Alatea.com for the last five years on the topics of spirituality and prayer, but about three years ago, he felt a tug to write something creative. On his blog, he wrote about possibly using comic books as a way to evangelize and tell a good story, to produce high-quality entertainment with a Catholic core to it. As a result, a reader at his blog reached out to introduce him to Jim Fern, a Catholic artist who'd been with Marvel and DC Comics for 30 years. Jim became a mentor to Philip and his illustrator, Michael Lavoie, resulting in the first book, Finian and the Seven Mountains, which is appropriate for children aged 8 to 13. The response to Finian and the Seven Mountains was strong revealing the potential for a series, and Voyage Comics was born. The company now sells eight titles, with more on the way. You can find Philip and see the whole line of books at voyagecomics.com. It's exactly how it sounds, dot com, and that's in the show notes. Welcome to the program, Phil. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm just delighted because I've heard about you from other homeschooling families here on Long Island who love your work, and you're here on Long Island too, um, and you're also homeschooling. So, if you wouldn't mind, just because we're kind of a homeschooling family on this show, tell us a little bit about how you got started with homeschooling.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, when when my wife and I got married, uh, we didn't necessarily have a plan, um, you know, to homeschool our, our children. Um, both my wife and I, you know, I actually went through public schooling, um, and my wife went through private schooling. Um, so we didn't really have any experience with homeschooling uh, before we got married. Uh, but then, in the end, it just kind of came down to we were looking. Uh, what was the best for our uh, for our family the best education we can give to our children Um, and we just you know felt you know that being able to be the the primary educators of our children that that would really be a great gift to them and it would hopefully also keep us closer as a family Um, also I I think both of us we knew a lot of homeschooling families and so you know, kind of their influence as well was helpful. You know, just knowing people who are, who've done it already and, uh, you know, were just a good example for us.
2: Yeah, it's that can make all the difference in the world. So many of our kind of veteran go to moms and dads in our homeschool network here. Um, really did discover homeschooling just by running into other homeschooling families. It was something they might not have considered at all. Um, and so God led you on this journey, introduced you to people, and then at a certain point, you post an idea. You're just having this creative urge, and God steps in again with this introduction. What was that like? Just, I mean, what did it feel like in terms of your conversation with God, and what was it like being introduced to Jim Fern? Tell us a little about that experience.
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely an experience where I could see that that God was kind of leading me in a certain direction, that he was kind of confirming um, my thoughts and desires. And, um, you know, and it wasn't even just Jim as well, like there was uh, also a reader um, to my blog who, you know, when I posted this idea of, you know, should I get into Catholic comics? What do you think about it? Um, There's another reader who um, contacted me. He, he wasn't involved with comics, um, but he was an, an animator um, actually for for Disney. Um, and, you know, again, a, just a faithful Catholic. And he kind of also just kind of lended his support and, and um, encouragement. Um, and, you know, especially when, when I was able to kind of meet, meet Jim and, and kind of show him, you know, my ideas, you know, it was, it was great to, to then kind of learn the craft of, of making comic books. Um, you know, cause at the time, you know, I really hadn't gotten into creative writing or, you know, fictional writing and for some reason I was just drawn to to writing comic book scripts and I you know I did all that I could to kind of self teach myself you know to self teach myself how to um how to write these scripts but then you know when it gets to that stage of translating it into a comic book then Jim just really you know he was he was very honest, which I think was very helpful. You know, like I, I didn't want him to say, "Oh yeah, this is all very good," and then, and then it turns out to be just a, a horrible uh, comic book. <laughs> um, and and so it was helpful to get his honest feedback so that I could, um, you know, make something good that not only was you know inspired by my faith, but that also was actually good quality. You know, just good quality storytelling. Um and it's it really takes someone who's kind of already inside that world to be able to tell you you know that this would work. Um, and yeah, I mean that that first comic book we made was a great learning experience. Um, and then after that, yeah, just you know continually perfecting that craft and then trying to surround myself with other you know other individuals, other experts in that field, so that um you know. As with in, in all writing, you can write, but you don't really know if it's any good until someone else reads it. Um, and you know, really constructive feedback is really a great blessing in that regard, because um, then then you can grow uh, in your skill. and And that's that's definitely was the case with um, with Jim and those first uh, first few years, just kind of growing in that skill but then using it in uh to glorify god
2: wow that that is such a fascinating story and makes so many good points uh about taking feedback about being willing to learn from others and have other lights that are sort of guiding you on that path in the process of your saying yes to God. I love that. What interesting readers do you have of your blog, by the way, wow, animators and people connected with, uh, you know, Jim Fern and all that. That's really neat that you were able to surround yourself with those people. It sounds like some of them were literally sent to you. I also want to just pull out one last thing, which is that as a homeschooling father, to be that witness to your children of starting with an inspiration, starting with a prayer, and then kind of noticing and responding and putting the pieces together and self-teaching, all of that. That's so homeschooling ethos right there. Conversation with God and our, you know, that being led by the heart in many ways to keep learning and growing and saying yes to God. So, just on so many levels, that's a great story.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, something I've I've learned over the years and, and what we hope to teach our kids as well is just that each everybody is unique and has their own gifts and talents. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we hope to use homeschooling to help foster those specific talents and interests, you know, and to be able to point our each child in a different direction, you know, knowing that um, not everybody's going to do the exact same thing Um, And so we just kind of figure out over the years, you know, what it is that most interests them and to kind of point them in that direction.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. It really does attune us to our children if we are on that journey too. Uh, That's so wonderful. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that was like collaborating for the first time on that first story.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of what I had been saying, it's, you know, so initially I kinda had my own idea. And init- initially that idea was was actually just a single kind of comic book. Um and you know, the story was, you know, I'll be you honest, know, it was okay. Um and it it probably would have been fine if it stayed stayed as it was, but it, it wouldn't have really reached a wide audience and um you know, it would have just ended right there. I I think, and and so, um, what was kind of interesting is, you know, at first, Jim kind of tested the waters to see like how I would handle kind of different um, types of criticism, and then kind of halfway through, then he just you know, s- spoke a little more honestly and just said, you know, the way it's going right now, it's it's not going to be. That great, but if you if you go it in a different direction, then I think there's a lot of potential, and and so that's kind of what we did is, is then about halfway through the the production of that first kind of book, then we started to kind of rework things, and to see the larger picture in mind, um, that it could be a series, um, and you know just it really kind of changed the way we were telling the story, um, and um, and it turned out much better than than we had imagined.
2: That's so wonderful. Just as a writer and, and an author myself, um, I don't know why. Maybe because it's come because I came from a military family, it was all about collaboration and teamwork. When I first started writing, and editors would give me those painful responses about this needs to change, or they would just change it without saying anything. I, I was able to, by God's grace, notice how they were improving my work. Um, even though I couldn't get into their heads and I couldn't do what they did in the beginning for myself. Being Sometimes that God gives you the grace in the moment, if you're truly on the path that He's calling you to, to take that painful feedback and have it shift your view and you start to notice in retrospect, wow, the way I come at this has really evolved. These people have been kind of allowed in to shape how I create." And, and it then becomes, you know, these helpers along the way helping you step into God's bigger vision for your life, which, as you just described, was a smaller vision when you started out.
0: Yeah, and and one benefit too about uh, the comic book process is it's definitely a, it's a team, it's always a, very much a team effort uh, because, so as the writer, you know, I write the script, but then um you know what happens after that is then the artist will take those instructions kind of what i originally envisioned for each of the pages and then he will kind of interpret it um in his way and and what's interesting is you know the artist may take it in a different direction that i didn't didn't think of at the time um but it's but often it's, it's very beneficial that you know you know, in, in a certain sense, I have, I have an image in my mind of what it would look like. But then the artist kind of looks at that and says, "Well, actually, that won't work. It has to it has to go like this." And so then that, that that kind of give and take of the comic book process. Um, it's, it's you know, if you have a good team, it really works works well, um, because you you know it's, um, you know and you know it's a, it's definitely a team effort, um, and you need everybody involved.
2: Mm, that's so cool. So as you're putting them together, as you have your team conversations or as you're writing and mapping things out, what are the kinds of things that you incorporate into your comic books that are not typical of of comic books?
0: Sure. So um, kind of our our goal with our our comics is to, you know, to create, entertaining stories that have kind of underlying catholic values um so so sometimes they're more explicit um you know we might do you know a series of comics on you know say say like saint joan of arc for example or um or on different or other saints and and so it's more so those um comics are more you know of a biography they're kind of more explicit Catholicism is is there in every page. Um, but then some of our other um, comic books like Finian, for example, or uh, the Phantom Phoenix is another series that we're, we started this year. Um, we, we kind of, we want it to be kind of integrated into it, but not kind of being the main focus. Um, and so it's, you know, we try to create an, you know, an exciting narrative that that not only Catholics would enjoy, but really, you know, Christians or or really anyone, uh, just because it's a good story. Um and then what we then also try to do is, you know, through these comics, one one thing I like to kind of bring out is just how there is this kind of invisible world that we don't often see you know but that it's it's there and and so I, we try to kind of portray that visually and and specifically i guess with thinking about like spiritual warfare and kind uh, of the reality of of uh angels and demons and 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 so what what we do i guess especially with the finian series is we kind of look at uh, some of these kind of medieval legends and um, try to visualize them um, on the page. And, and so, you know, so with like different things like gargoyles or other kind of these medieval monsters that were out there, um, but then showing how they kind of represent evil and this, this really at at the core of it, that there's this kind of spiritual battle that's out there. Um, And, and so you know, kind of what our hope then is, is to kind of just, kind of, um, to show children or even adults as well, just kind of open their eyes a little bit, um, and to to see, I guess, to to see that there's more to this world than what we see, and to just realize that there's that they are they too are a part of of a battle, um, and you know kind of the, the need to be vigilant in that, in that everyday battle.
2: Mm, I love that you bring up kind of the sense of medieval creatures and legends and this sense of there being an invisible world around us and how that's been expressed in different ways. Um, you incorporate some historical perspective into the books themselves. Would you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, in particular, say with like the Finian series, um, we we kind of took this um, again this kind of this kind of legend of these. It's called the uh, the Sword of Saint Michael, and it revolves around these kind of seven monasteries that are all dedicated to Saint Michael, uh, the archangel, and they all kind of share similar characteristics they're all founded um, for the most part from like a vision of St. Michael or um, somehow influenced by him, or there might've been a vision at at some point at these locations. So what I, what I do with these with each issue is, you know, we, so we go to this location um, and, you know, I do a lot of research to, to show the artists kind of what it would have looked like at the time and and then we also kind of research the, the the local culture kind of incorporate um you know those different things um and then also kind of again researching the different medieval legends that are surrounding this area um, and so we you know in a certain sense we try to be both uh historically accurate in terms of our depiction of these these areas, uh, but then also to, you know, visually represent these, these uh, legends in a, in a visual way. Um, and then so what I do then too, is, at the end of each issue, there's usually like, um, like a, an essay that's on this, you know, that talks about the history of this location, its significance, and just to kind of, um, to make that connection from the, you know, the, uh, the location as it is in our, in our comic book, but then also making the connection to that and the actual, you know, historical location that really does exist. So, you know, just ca- trying to bridge, bridge that gap between history and fantasy.
2: Mm, yeah, that's lovely because that's like our bread and butter, isn't it, as homeschoolers, as connecting things out to the real world um, while really stoking that imaginative faculty in our children as such a pathway, a spiritual pathway to encountering God and and hearing his voice. Um, I understand you also weave in some explicit church history. Uh, Obviously if some of these places are places where St. Michael appeared or someone had a vision of St. Michael, we're getting some of our own Catholic church history.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. So, um, yeah so you know these you know it is just kind of interesting to to kind of as i as i get through each of these locations to kind of to uh research them and to kind of figure out um you know what it is that the the, you know how saint michael appeared in these locations kind of who they influenced um at the time and and then how that then laid a foundation um, for, you know, later it being kind of a, a destination for pilgrimage. So, um, yeah. So you know, like like I said, every I, I try as much as possible to kind of base these, you know, these stories on on these actual medieval legends. I mean, sometimes I, you know, as with any creative effort, you know, you kind of have to fill in the gaps kind of with your own uh, interpretation of it, but. You know, it, it a lot of a lot of the time. You know, kind of the the historical record is really quite fascinating. So I try to you know leave it as much much as uh, as I can.
2: Yeah, that's really neat because you do the legwork for us. Parents, I can think of so many different ways to use, use these to ignite enthusiasm and connect our children into the work we're doing in their education. I mean, so many kids will create their own stories and illustrate them and things like that. So, you could see them imitating them. You could see us stepping into art lessons. But I remember reading a very long time ago that anything that children read helped their literacy and encouraged them to be lifelong learners. And so if kids are picking up, you know, comic books, um, this that connects them just even to their desire to read because these are colorful, engaging, exciting images. What are you, What's your sense of how the homeschooling families that you've connected with as a result of creating these resources? How are people using them?
0: sure yeah yeah kind of like you said um comic books are are kind of a great kind of entryway for uh for many for many kids especially if they have a hard time opening up you know kind of a a basic book that has no pictures and and it's just you know just text on the page for some kids that's kind of daunting and so um and so finding you know a good comic book for them can be kind of a you know, a first step. And, um, and so I know that, you know, I've I've heard from different families that they, you know, that some of their um, children who have a hard time reading will, will use these comic books um, and really, really enjoy them. Um, Other, you know, families, you know, like I said, I think, I know of one family who, you know, they were reading, they had a unit on Ireland and so they, um, reading the first Finnian uh, book, which is based in Ireland as kind of, you know, just kind of excite their curiosity about, um, about Ireland and, and its history. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's been, I've, I've heard also too, that it's, it's been beneficial just because sometimes it's not always easy to find good, uh, wholesome comic books or graphic novels. Um, You know, because it kind of the one thing that I've definitely realized recently is that you can't always trust a comic book uh, or a graphic novel that you get from, say, like Barnes and Noble or or something like that. Um, You know, a parent might think, well, oh, it's just it's a comic book. It'll it'll be fine. Um, But then but then, you know, sometimes. Later, the kid will say will show a page to the parent, and the parent will be kind of shocked at what they find, um, because they didn't realize that that comic book wasn't actually made for children; um, that it was it was made for adults, and um, and there's no real real delineation in you know in in bookstores or comic book stores, um, and you know, at one time it, it wasn't the case, you know, you know, comic books were you know. Family friendly, and and it, it there wasn't really an issue, but but especially nowadays, um, it's just it's a much bigger minefield, and so you know a lot of families have just expressed how it's kind of refreshing to be able to to buy a comic book and just know that the content is good and and wholesome, and it won't you know it won't do any harm.
2: Yeah, so good to know. Just to have a safe place for your kids to. Really, have an exciting adventure of the imagination um, while learning. Um, have parents told you anything about the responses their kids give, or what they've seen in terms of growth, or uh, or expanded curiosity, or anything that's been ignited in their homeschools through the use of these resources?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I've I've heard from a few different families. I mean, that like, um that it has, you know, kind of helped in in some ways with their, you know, creativity or, or their imagination. Um, we, I've, I have knowledge of at least of at least one, like Finney and birthday party where everybody (laughs) kind of, uh, dressed up as some of the characters from, from the, the books. Um, and, and then also with, um, the phantom phoenix series I, I think i've heard of at least one or two families where um the the kids kind of made a, a makeshift costume um uh, based on the the main character and so so they're you know kind of using using their creativity to make their own um their own costumes out of out of what they were reading so um i thought that was kind of neat
2: that's wonderful it really is to just see the kids having so much fun with it and, and they're getting good ideas and, and interesting facts along the way too, but it's not dry. It's, it's got that fantastical kind of comic book flair to it. Um, what other stories are in the pipeline? Uh, tell, us what, tell us about what you've got already and what's coming.
0: Sure. So um, so the main series that we've been working on for the past few years is the fitting series and um, we've been able to produce five issues so far, and our, our hope is to finish that kind of basic series, which will be seven issues. Uh, we hope to finish that next year. Um, and then kind of in, in another way, we started this past year, a series called the Phantom Phoenix, and it's kind of our, our, uh, take on, on the superhero genre, um, and so we we really have, um, so this next year we hope to continue the series as well as to expand on it. Um, you know we see just a lot of of potential. You know there's especially with these kind of Marvel and DC movies that are very popular in the last um, you know really the last ten years. That there's a there's a big interest in in kind of superheroes. But unfortunately, there's just not a lot of content out there that's really, you know, upholding Catholic values. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to working to hopefully have kind of, you know, a good array of, of good superheroes that are not um, just, I guess you could say, placeholders, you know, just because they're Christian, that, that they're good, but that they actually have Interesting backstories and, and just a good story behind them that make them entertaining um, for the kids to to read, but then also have you know these superheroes are 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 uh, motivated by uh, by their Catholic faith and uh, that kind of comes out uh, in the stories. Mm,
2: that's so exciting because. I've often posited that this resurgence of superheroes into our culture is a craving for the Savior, you know, for a figure that comes and saves. And, and so, it's unconsciously our souls just trying to fill that space. And so, to bring it out, to touch into that chord, that longing, not only for a hero, but to be a hero, to be other Christs, uh, I feel like the superheroes genre is just, you know, uh, such a beautiful and fruitful place to explore in that regard. Um, You've also done some saint biographies, correct? Which saints have you done so far?
0: Yeah, so um, we'll definitely continue working on um, the different, you know, exploring different saints' lives. Um, We've, you know, kind of the main, the most well-known saint we've done is St. Joan of Arc, but we've also been kind of exploring some kind of the lesser known kind of saints in the united states Uh, one of them his name is father patrick payton um he he coined the phrase the family that prays together stays together Um, and so we did a comic book about his life Um, and then recently we uh, partnered with uh, my local diocese um, lacrosse wisconsin to do a comic book on a another priest whose cause for canonization is, is in the process. His name is father Joe Walieski. Um, and so we, we just released a comic book on his life. Um, and so in the future we'll probably do a, you know, a mix of, of both well-known saints and, and also those kind of lesser known saints to kind of help, help their causes to, so to kind of help people know more about them and about their lives.
2: Wow, that's just fantastic! What a mission! It's it's exciting to listen to. Um, so, as, as we're wrapping up, Phil, thank you so much. I know you're a very busy, hardworking homeschooling dad. Thank you for taking the time. But just leave us with any final thoughts about about any of this. What would you like? Uh, what would you like to say to our our parents listening?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I th- I think one one area that has really kind of come under attack lately. Has been the entertainment industry, and you know it's something that is just getting increasingly more difficult to you know to take your kids to the movies or to give them good wholesome books. Um, and so you know what what really what we're trying to do at Voyage is to kind of to give a, a healthy alternative that. You know, is not only kind of Catholic in name, but that is is actually enjoyable um, for for you and for your your children. Um, and yeah, I feel like that's just an area that um, you know is is one way where we can kind of positively positively affect the culture um, and to kind of to show you know what where our priorities are and to really. Kind of try to cultivate the imagination of our children in the right in the right direction,
2: mm, amen. and amen. I feel like every time we reclaim something, you know, take the banner of Christ and, and plant it in a place that the culture may have run away with, may have uh, corrupted or co-opted for some other agenda, that we can reclaim it. We can stand and, and call out the good again. And I feel like even that dynamic by itself, reclaiming some aspect of culture that has potential to be good and, and to show that to our children, to show us that, look, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some bad entertainment out there but we can create really beautiful or we can support and enjoy really beautiful and good entertainment that it has value as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree that it's, you know, it often, you know, it's very easy to kind of, you know, condemn the culture or to, um, you know, to say how, how bad things are, but really the task up to us is to create, to, to be creators and to kind of fill the world with with goodness and light.
2: Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Phil. Everybody check out voyagecomics.com. Just great reading for the 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 chilly weather times or rainy days or even out under a tree on a beautiful summer afternoon. Um just so inspiring. I'm sure it will have your kids um, making up stories of their own, playing, maybe creating costumes, as Phil said, so, or even having parties. I'm I'm hoping that, Phil, eventually that you're going to do board games and trading cards, too. I think that that would be really fun. You're so creative. Um, we just want you to keep building this empire. Uh, everybody check out voyagecomics.com, and, and you'll find Philip Kozlowski there. Um, thank you so much for being with us, and stay tuned for our short feature coming right up.
1: Hi, I'm author A.J. Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where, for the last three years, I have shared with you books for Catholic teens and tweens. Since today will be my final Books and Blessings segment for the Homeschooling Saints podcast, I asked host Lisa Mladnik if I might share with you my own novel for Catholic tweens. Perhaps you've heard me mention it briefly in the past. Seven Riddles to Nowhere is a middle-grade mystery that is near and dear to my heart. You see, many years ago, I taught at a Catholic school that closed— It was a very tiny school with only about a hundred students in its final year. With only about twenty students total in grades five through eight, we felt very much like a family. And the grief from that school closing sat with me for years. Finally, I decided to write my feelings out, and the result is a novel that has been read by Catholic schools and homeschooling students throughout the U.S. and Australia. In Seven Riddles to Nowhere, we meet seventh grader Cameron Boyd. Because of a tragic event that took place when he was only five years old, Cam suffers from selective mutism. He is unable to speak to adults when he steps outside his home. Cam's mom hopes his new school will cure his talking issues. But just as he starts to feel comfortable at St. Jude Catholic School, financial problems threaten the school's existence. Then a letter arrives with the opportunity to change everything. Cam learns that he and several others have been selected as potential heirs to a fortune. He just has to solve a series of riddles to find the treasure before the other students. If he succeeds, he'll become heir to a fortune that could save his school. The riddles send Cam and his friends on a scavenger hunt through the churches of Chicago, but solving them won't be easy. With the school's bully as one of the other potential heirs, Cam and his friends must decipher the hidden meanings in artwork and avoid the mysterious men following them in a quest to not only keep the school open, but keep Cam's hopes for recovering his voice alive. Seven Riddles to Nowhere has won a Catholic Press Association Book Award and received the Catholic Writers Guild seal of approval. It is recommended for readers aged 9-13 through who enjoy riddles and mysteries. The churches in the book are actual churches in Chicago and readers have been known to travel to the city to visit the churches and see the artwork for themselves. As I mentioned earlier, this is my final Books and Blessings segment. I've enjoyed sharing great books with all of you over the last three years. However, the Lord has been calling me to lead an increasing number of retreats and to speak at more and more Catholic conferences. I ask for your prayers as I try my best to follow God's call. In the meantime, please check out my YouTube channel where I interview Catholic authors about their books. Follow me on Instagram and visit my website, ajcatopan.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter to see where God is calling me next. May God bless you, and as always, I wish you happy reading.